dear congregation and congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have read something from Genesis chapter 22. And Genesis chapter 22 is one of those Old Testament chapters with some rich spiritual meanings, as I hope to show you in this hour. Bible scholars speak of this particular chapter, Genesis 22, as a chapter that is full of what they call typology. Now, that word typology, it's a word that is often used in seminary, but the word typology means that there is something or someone that points ahead to God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Spirit. So typology is something that points ahead to something much greater. This is why it is not only called typology, but also sometimes called prefiguring. And so I trust you know what what I'm, I'm trying to aim at. Because in this particular chapter, Genesis 22, we will see something great about God the Father and about God the Son, particularly. In this chapter that is recorded for us, one of the severest tests that Abram had to go through and had to endure in his lifetime. One of the severest tests that you can possibly imagine. He was told by God to offer up his son Isaac. Imagine. Well, let us consider this whole matter then by the following theme and division. God's call to Abraham to offer Isaac. In the first place, a severe test. Secondly, an obeyed test. Thirdly, a test that worked out well. And then fourthly, a test with some spiritual overtones. And there's where typology will come into play particularly. Well now, let us then consider first of all a severe test. And congregation, can you imagine how severe a test this must have been for Abram at that particular time? Some 20 or 25 years have passed since his beloved son Isaac was born. He grew up to be a healthy young man, a strapping young man. No doubt Abram and Sarah thoroughly loved him. They felt extremely blessed and happy with their son who must truly have been true to his name, laughter. And there was much joy, no doubt, that was to be found in the household of Abram, Sarah, and Isaac. Abram also always knew that God would bless him, that God had promised him, and what promised to him would come to pass. And now, as he sees his son Isaac before him, growing up tall and strong, I can imagine that uh, there was a smile forming on his, on his face as well, on his aging lips, and joy filling his heart as well. Oh, he may no doubt have said at times, Oh, God is so good, so faithful to his promises. He may have thought, What a privilege we have. What a blessing it is to serve such a God. I hope and pray that you and I can sometimes say that as well. Perhaps at times, Abraham, with a sparkle in his eyes, would put his arm around Sarah as they would watch young Isaac sporting in the field close by. And he would say to his dear wife, Sarah, we are rich, aren't we? We are tremendously rich to have such a boy as Isaac as a gift from God. What a joy. What a joy. But one day... 
One day all of this happiness, all these feelings of joy, all these blessing experiences were terribly shaken for them. God came to Abram to test Abraham and to test him especially in the area where his faith was the most winning and where his love was the most apparent as it pertained to his beloved son Isaac. God said to Abraham, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Every word of that call from God must have cut through Abram's heart. Take your son, your only son, and then God adds to it, whom you love. Can you imagine? Abram must sacrifice Isaac as a burnt offering. Abram must slay his son Isaac like a lamb on an altar and burn him for a burnt offering. Abram must have recoiled in horror. Is that what I have to do? Now, we know that the Canaanites living in the area as well, they, they, they did such a thing at times. But now he, Abram, he must do it to his son Isaac, his only Isaac, whom he loves, his son of promise. He has to sacrifice him. He has to slay him. He has to offer him up as a human sacrifice. Now, you can understand, dear people, what a severe test this was for Abraham. Why would God ask such a thing of him? It was one thing for God to leave him wait for some 20 or 25 years for the promise to be fulfilled. But it's another thing yet, after Abraham has enjoyed the promised fulfillment of a son, to ask now that he would sacrifice this son whom he has grown to love so dearly. Why would God ask such a thing of him? Especially as he, Abram, had become very old already. Well, it was no doubt an additional test and trial for Abram's faith. But it was at one and the same time a test of trial of Abram's love as well. How would Abraham's love for God measure up to his love for Isaac, you might ask? Now, God knew, of course, that Abram loved his son Isaac dearly. And this is why God said, and that also with some emphasis as well, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. So God knew this. Isaac loved, or Abram loved Isaac very much. Would Abram perhaps have begun to love Isaac more than God? You know that God says, and it is recorded for us in Matthew chapter 10, verse 37, that he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now, would Abraham perhaps have begun to love Isaac more than God? And we could ask that question. Now, this is what God is going to test Abram for. And, yeah, we are not left in doubt uh, for long either, as we consider then in the second place an obeyed 
test. Abram began what God commanded him to do, and he did not hesitate. He was to take Isaac into the land of Moriah, so we are told. And this is the land where Jerusalem is also located now. And it is on one of the mountains that God told Abram, that is where you need to go. And God said, I will show you which mountain it is. And Abram would have to offer his son upon one of those mountains near Jerusalem. And we, may, we, we read then also that, that Abram made those preparations early the next morning already, and with two servants accompanying them, left with Isaac for the land of Moriah. It took them nearly three days to get there, but on the third day, Abram knew that he was getting close, and so he told his two servants that they would have to stay with the donkey, and as he says in verse 5, the lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. And then Abram took the wood for the burnt offering, and he had Isaac carry that wood, and Abram carried the fire, a bowl of fire, and a knife, and they both began to climb uphill on the mountain that God had shown him. So far, Isaac has been a willing companion to his father Abraham, quite willing, in fact, in fact, uh, to go with him in order to worship God. Notice how we are told this in, um, in verse 6 and also verse 8, that they went together. Now, that's a word that is special here in this text. That is, they went as father and son, but more than that, they went as friends, as two good companions, loving companions. They went together. Now, this reveals something already of Isaac's character, doesn't it? He was an obedient son to his father, but he was more than just an obedient son. He was a loving son, a caring son, an obedient son, a son who wanted to obey his father. He did not complain. There were no objections on his part at all. They went to worship God. Now, also here, I may address the young people and the boys and girls are you like Isaac in that respect? Are you like Isaac like that? Or do you complain or do you object when your parents say, come, let's, let's go to church, let's worship God? Do you have hesitations about doing that kind of thing? I hope, pray that that's not the case. But it reveals something of your character though, doesn't it? If you would complain about it. But there was one thing that troubled Isaac. There was something missing. And so, at one point, he says to his father, My father, look at the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Verse 7. In fact, it made no sense to Isaac. The most important part of the, of the sacrifice was missing a lamb. Obviously, he was not aware that he, Isaac, was meant to be the lamb. But Abram replied, and he replied with words of faith, My son, God will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering. Now, if that isn't a statement of faith, I do not know what is. Well then, with not much else being said between the two, they arrived where God wanted them. And then Abram began to build the altar, and I'm sure that Isaac helped along with his father as well. 
It was custom in those days to just take rough stones from the surrounding area, pile them up a couple of feet into the shape of somewhat of a table and lay the wood on top of all those rocks. But then the moment of truth arrived for Isaac. We read that Abram bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Verse 9. What must Isaac have thought? And what must he have been considering at that moment? We do not know because we're not told. But one thing we do know, and it is revealing somewhat of the character of Isaac. Isaac was quietly submissive. He was willing, obedient, willingly obedient to his father, who, so he, Isaac, realized, was doing God's will. And there stands Abraham with a knife in his raised hand, ready to stab his son Isaac through the heart, the son whom he loves, the son whom he is to sacrifice. Now, a famous artist once did a painting of this scene, and I will never forget the look on the face of Father Abram at that particular time, standing there, bent over his son, knife flashing high in his hand and the tears streaming down his old wrinkled face. Abram was ready to sacrifice his son, the son whom he loved, because God asked him to do so. Concluding also, as we read in Hebrews, concluding that God could very well raise Isaac from the dead if that was God's will to do. And so... Abram acted in faith. But as he was about to lower his knife into the heart of his son Isaac, a voice sounded forth from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, do not lay hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Verses 11 and 12. And so Abram has obeyed the test. He has passed the trial. God could see that Abram's faith was unshaken and that Abram's love for him was greater even than the love he has for his son Isaac. Surely, God knew this already of Abram, of course. But God wanted to see Abram's faith and Abram's love in action. God wanted to see the proof of Abram's faith and the proof of Abram's love for God. Just as God wants to see your and my proof of our faith and of our love for God. And so the question can be asked, do we have faith in God, dear people? And that's something we have to ask ourselves. Do I have faith in God? Can I entrust my whole self to God? Well, if that is the case, you must also prove it as well. Do you have true love for God? Well, again, then prove such love. Or, as the Lord Jesus says it this way, by their fruits you shall know them. You might claim, therefore, to have faith in God, but if you have nothing to show for it, The Bible says that your faith is dead. 
All you need to do is read James chapter 2. You might say that you, yes, you, you love God, but are you willing to sacrifice for such love? Abram was ready to sacrifice his only beloved son Isaac in love for his God. But what are you and I ready to sacrifice, dear people, in love for God and for his service? Now, it is highly unlikely that you and I will ever have to endure the test that Abram had to go through. Thankfully, we do not have to do that. God will not ask us to offer our children as a burnt sacrifice to him. We are thankful for that. Even though there are gods in this world, or so-called gods in the world, that do ask that. But... The question is, how, how can we prove our love for God? Well, the Bible makes it clear that we are called to love the brethren. All you need to do is read this letter uh, of John. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. You can read of that in 1 John 4, verses 7 and 8. And then it also reads on, And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Now this may then be a test and a trial for you and for me. But what we have here, by the grace of God, is that we learn through the Word and through the Holy Spirit, we learn to obey As we go through such a test, we will be able to give such a proof of our love as well. And it will be possible, yes, it will be possible for God then to say to you and to me, as he, God, once said to Abram, now I know that you fear God. Abram obeyed the test, and as we must consider then in the third place, that it was a test that worked out well. Now, the fear of God was confirmed in Abram after he was able to prove his faith and his love to God. And it was then also that this whole test and this trial turned out for the better for him as well. Because what happened? Well, God opened Abram's eyes and he saw the answer to Abram's previous question. Where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And it was right there before his eyes, you see, a ram, a male sheep, caught in the bushes. As if was brought by God himself to that place. And Abram could take it, and he could offer it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abram has been willing to give his all, even his own son, in love for God, And when God saw this, he provided a suitable sacrifice for Abram and that in the place of Isaac. The test worked out very well for Abraham. And Abram could even witness on how it worked well for him because the very place where he stood was given a name by Abram and the name is Jehovah Jireh which means the Lord will provide. It was a confession of faith there for Abram, right there. The Lord will provide more yet. Things worked out very well for Abram, and that in several ways. 
God even reconfirmed his covenant promises to Abraham, promising Abram great blessings to him and also to his offspring, promising that there will be a great number of offspring, promising him the land of Canaan as well, promising him that his offspring would be a, a blessing for the whole earth one day as well, all because Abram had obeyed God's call in offering up his son Isaac. But it also gave proof of the faith of Abram as well and the proof of his love for God. And dear people, I believe that we have there for an application and that is quite straightforward for each one of us. When you have learned to obey God's call to sacrifice what you have and in that way give proof of your faith in God and of your love for God, you will not go wrong. The Lord will then show himself to be a great provider for you. And you will never regret having obeyed God's call. Abram became a better man for it. The test and the trial worked out well for him. And what an encouragement this should be for you and for me as well, dear people, that when your faith in God is put to the test, and when your love for God is put on trial, what an encouragement it is then that your proof of faith and your giving the proof of love works out for the good of you as well. And whatever you need then to provide such proof, the Lord will provide Jehovah Jerry. God will help you. God will help you. Now we come to the last point, and perhaps this is the most difficult point that we have to consider, but listen carefully. We have uh, some spiritual overtones in this uh, chapter, Genesis 22. We are, if I may say it this way, we are permitted to spiritualize a little bit as we read this chapter, to spiritualize it and see some spiritual meaning in it. As I've indicated already, Bible scholars tell us that this chapter is full of typology. It is full of prefiguring. Of who? All of God the Father and of God the Son, Jesus Christ. And this is truly phenomenal. And let us see it. First of all, Isaac. Isaac is a type or he is a prefigure of God's Son, Jesus Christ. In Isaac, we can detect early images and flashes, if I may say it that way, of Jesus Christ. How obediently he acted, how willingly he conducted himself, as it, we speak of Jesus Christ, in his obedience to his Father's will and wishes. After all, he silently submitted to becoming the sacrifice, to be bound and to be put on the altar of the cross. And we have a prophecy of that as well in Isaiah chapter 53, that Jesus Christ was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. For Isaac, there was a reprieve at the last moment. A ram was provided to take his place. But no such reprieve was given 
to the Son of God, Jesus Christ. When it came to the actual sacrifice, there was no animal to take his place. And Jesus Christ gave himself as the sacrifice. Why? So that sinners like you and me could be saved from our sin and that we learn to believe in him, Jesus Christ. And so, dear people, Isaac is then a type of Christ. That is, he points to Christ. He points to Christ as the one who, because of his obedient self-sacrifice, is now the Savior of sinners for people the likes of you and me. And so, have you discovered already your particular need for such a Savior as Jesus Christ, such a self-sacrificing Savior? Have you already seen yourselves as one needing to be saved? Because we're all sinners, aren't we? From our very moment of life, we're born in sin, aren't we? We need to be saved. And so also, young people and boys and girls, I must tell you that you need a Savior. Because without Him, you cannot be saved. Without Him, you will not make it to heaven. And therefore, confess yourselves to be a sinner in need of saving. That means that you are called to repent of your sin, that you are entrust yourself to this self-sacrificing Savior, Jesus Christ. Now this hour, Isaac, the only son of Abram, the beloved son of Abram, points us to the only beloved son of God, Jesus Christ. And with him, and with him alone, is true salvation, is true happiness. Isaac is a type, a prefigure, therefore, of Jesus Christ. Well, now, you might say, well, yeah, that, that's great. I can see that. But now there's more typology in this passage. There's more typology yet. Because not only is Isaac a type of Christ... But Abraham here in this chapter is a type of God the Father, prefiguring God the Father. How so, you might ask? Well, in his willingness to give his son Jesus Christ, in his willingness to sacrifice his only begotten and deeply beloved son Jesus Christ, and do not ask if it really pained God to sacrifice his beloved son or not. It surely did. All you need to do is just go back to that picture that I presented to you before. As you look upon that face of Abraham, when he stood there bent over his son while the knife was flashing high in his hand above it all. If you would now presently look carefully, you would see love and pain on the face of God the Father, wet with tears. Dear people, that is how it was with God the Father when he sacrificed his beloved son on the cross of Golgotha. I wish to hold that moment in its deepest reverence. But then too, God the Father was bent over his son ready to strike him. Love and pain filled his father's heart and if we could have seen it, we might even detect 
a tear in his holy eyes as Jesus Christ, his beloved son, hung dying on that cross. But unlike with Abraham, there was no stopping God the Father. No voice was heard, go no further. No, the Father had to carry on and he had to carry through with it. And he plunged that knife deep into the heart of his beloved son, as it were, and sacrificed him on the altar of the cross. Oh, the love of God, dear people, the Father, that he was willing to give his son as a sacrifice for sinners like you and me, to slay him on the cross for the salvation of sinners. Is he not worth our deepest admiration and our highest worship? Greater than Abraham yet is God the Father. For we read that well-known passage for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him would not perish, have everlasting life. And as we are about to leave the sanctuary this afternoon, let our thoughts and let our concentration be focused on God the Father and on God the Son. Let our faith then also be encouraged to know that the Father so loves to save sinners that he was willing to sacrifice a greater than Isaac, the son of his love, for it. Imagine Let our faith therefore also be stimulated at the same time to know that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, submissively and voluntarily gave Himself so that you and I, through faith in Him, might have life and have life eternally. And dear people, why did Christ do this? One word. Love. Love. And that should stimulate you and me to love others and to love God above all.